Welcome back to the Better Birth Podcast, where we talk about all things pregnancy, birth, and postpartum to help you feel empowered on your new parenting journey. Better Birth is presented by Anja Health, the first affordable stem cell safe for banking umbilical cord and placental stem cells for future cell-based treatments. We're so happy you've joined us. Let's dive into today's episode. I am so excited to introduce you today to Natalie Frank and share this space with her. Uh, Natalie's a mom of two, the author of Built to Belong, and the biggest community champion. And today we're going to be chatting about her incredible, hard, messy journey to motherhood. And I'm just so excited to share this space with her. So Natalie, welcome. Um, Let's start by having you tell us a little bit more about yourself um, and a little introduction to who you are. Of course. Well, thanks for having me. I am an entrepreneur. I'm an author. I am a mom of two. I'm a benign brain tumor warrior. Um, What else? I wear a lot of hats. I do a lot of things. But uh, yeah, I think at the end of the day, I'd say I'm I'm a parent and a mama bear for small business. And I I really love getting to be a part of, of the fertility world and fertility community through my journey. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's amazing. So let's start, just jump right in. Um, I know I sent over some questions for us to just like walk through kind of organically. If they get shifted around, that's wonderful. But tell us a little bit more about the decision to have kids and fears and hesitations that you had early on um, in that decision-making process. Yeah. So I always knew that I wanted to have kids. I think it was something that for me was always a part of like a dream, like my, my life dream was to, to have a child, um, to have kids. And, um, you know, I think early on my, my fears and hesitations prior to knowing that there were going to be some health considerations were just like you would have, I, I think a lot of people would have, I worried, you know, am I going to be a good parent? I worried, you know, how will family planning fit in with my career aspirations and my goals? And, um, you know, as, as, as a woman, I, I, you know, was like, when will I be able to have kids? Will I find a partner that, you know, uh, supports that journey that wants to be a part of that journey? Um, you know, and I think early on, and I mean, early on, I'm talking, you know, college years, even like late high school, I still, this was all sort of, you know, on my brain, I knew one day I wanted to have a family. And then towards the end of my senior year in college, that's when I ended up getting my benign brain tumor diagnosis through my OBGYN and found out that, you know, infertility was very much closely knit into this diagnosis. And that because of the, you know, hormonal center of the brain where my tumor was located being impacted that having kids was going to be uh, an uncertain and um, it's never promised for anyone that it will be an easy journey, as many of us know, once we go, go into it. But I think for me, it really rattled me. Like I kind of had gone in with this perception of, you know, again, I uh, joke sometimes I was raised Catholic. So in my upbringing, it was like, if you look at a boy the wrong way, you could get pregnant. And I was so afraid. Like, you know, I was like, I literally was like, don't look at boys. You could accidentally become impregnated. So to go from that to, you know, Hey, it, you know, it, it may not be possible to have biological kids. It, if it is possible, it, it's going to be kind of a, a longer process that all happened sort of that senior year of college. And so then my fear shifted to not when would I have kids and would it fit into my life goals and aspirations, but, uh, would I be able to biologically have my own children? Um, 
If not, were there other options? Like I, I really didn't know much of anything. And so it started kind of down a path of new fears, new hesitations, um, but then just ultimately a lot of uncertainty, you know, mm-hmm. which is sometimes the hardest for some of us. For me, it's often the hardest. I want to know if it's yes or no. I don't want a question mark. And so, <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. That, that's kind of the, yeah, the intro to how, how it all started. Yeah. I think it's such an amazing, like, I think there's so many folks who are on the other side of, you know, like, don't get pregnant, don't do this, don't do that. And then realizing like, oh, there could be a fertility struggle along the route and it could be a long winding road to parenthood. It can really take you by surprise, even in like the best of circumstances or like, you know, with the most supportive partner and all of those things. So um, when you decided to start seeking fertility treatment, I know this is like a, probably a different route than most families who end up going with IVF or like an IUI process. Yeah. Um, but did you try to conceive naturally at all? And what did that look like before you decided, okay, we're going to have to start doing fertility treatments? These are great questions. So yeah, my, <laughs> my case is a little unique, I think to most, but um, the best way to explain it is we never didn't. Uh, we never tried to prevent having kids. Um, you know, we, we kind of, I think, understood that there was no real path to actively try because with what I have medically, I don't have normal cycles or cycles at all for months and months at a time. So, I mean, and that's a lot of women deal with that. And so, um, you know, I uh, would say like, we never tried to not get pregnant, but seven years in um, is the point at which we we started treatment. And, you know, that was made possible by the fact that I found out that um, my neuro, t- my neuroscience team, my neurosurgery team, and my neuroendocrine doctor uh, advocated for surgery, for brain surgery to remove my tumor. And prior to that, you know, I had always kind of been told that um, fertility treatment involves, as we know, a lot of hormone stimulating drugs, and those drugs can have adverse effects on the pituitary gland, which is where my tumor was. And so it really wasn't a super safe um, route to go until we dealt with the tumor. And so there was a moment uh, about five years ago where my neuro team was like, let's move forward with surgery. And it just opened up more possibilities for us. And so I had the surgery and I was told six months after surgery, I could go and try to start fertility treatment if I was cleared. And so it was six months and one day from my surgery where, because you could tell I was a little, little eager, um, <laughs> where I went into UCSF, uh, and there that's where I had my surgery, but also where I did my reproductive endocrinology and had an amazing doctor that helped us. And so I'd say, you know, seven years married without any kind of, uh, brief interruption for our podcast listeners. And then we'll get right back to it. If you're currently pregnant, then this is important for you to know. So when I was three and my brother was one, he was in a near drowning accident that gave him cerebral palsy. One treatment for cerebral palsy is giving children stem cells from their own umbilical cord. The umbilical cord and placenta are both super rich with stem cells that can be used to replace and repair damaged cells. And when they come from the baby, they're a perfect match for that baby. However, my family didn't save stem cells for my brother and we couldn't find a match when the time came. It's pretty difficult to find a cord blood stem cell match if you're a person of color or mixed race. So the best solution to this problem is to save stem cells right at birth. You can do this with AngiHealth. We have a kit that you can bring with you to birth and it contains all of the tools that your provider needs to collect your umbilical cord and placenta. After birth, you can place a pickup in our parent portal and we'll come and pick it up from anywhere in the United States and bring it to our lab in New Jersey where it will be frozen in the same way that you can freeze eggs or sperm. 
Then your family will always have access to stem cells for future disease treatment. Stem cells have been used to treat type 1 diabetes, different types of cancers, heart disease, liver disease, multiple sclerosis, and more. Get your kit today with Anja Health by going to anjahealth.com. That's A-N-J-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com. You can always text or call us with questions as well at 310-620-1663. And yes, it is always a real person. And now back to the episode you know, successful life birth. And then, um, brain surgery, six months after we started treatment and, uh, it was a a whirlwind from there. Yeah, totally. What was that initial consultation? Like, like, you know, there's just this big buildup of like, I mean, brain surgery at any time in the best of circumstances, it's really scary to walk through. It's just, there's a lot of unknowns and risks and all those wonderful, wonderful, messy parts. Um, but I, with all of that buildup, <laughs> walking through those doors, I can't imagine like all of the emotions and feelings that just kind of flood that was, was it, what was that like for you? I think I felt uh, a mix of emotions. I felt happy that, and I'm, and I often say like, I'm sure I'm not the only one either that feels this way. I felt happy to start fertility treatment. I felt like I was finally going to get some support, some answers, some movement forward progression. Cause again, the big question mark of uncertainty is worse to me than a no. And I, and I, you know, at, at different seasons of my life, I've been given a no, like, no, we can't start treatment now. And that felt better than waiting. And so when we had that moment where we could go in for treatment, I was excited. I was excited to finally get more answers, to get more testing done, uh, to, to make some progress on that. So in that respect, it was good. I think it was also a little bit terrifying because it was something new. It was, um, you know, going to involve some invasive procedures and even the testing, anyone who's gone through the testing knows like the testing itself is very invasive. If you've never gone through that, or especially if, um, in my case, like I felt like I had a very sheltered upbringing. So anything involving reproductive healthcare was foreign to me. I I didn't really know where to begin or what the language meant, the terminology. And so a lot of unknowns going into that. And, um, I, though we'll say like my doctor was incredible. I mean, oh my gosh, she was just like very to the point, very research evidence-based. You know, I, I kind of walked in saying like, you know, I was told that we might never. And she said, one rule I have is we never use the word never in this office. We know, like, you know, we're going to, we're going to, you know, look at some, some, some data, some research. Let's look at, let's get some test results in here. Let's, you know, do this, that, and the other. And I just really appreciated her um, her optimism in a very grounded way. There was no, there were no promises made. There was no, um, guarantees given, but it was, you know, don't count yourself out yet. Like, let's, let's see what science has to say. And science is only part of the equation. Um, and, and like, you know, sometimes it works and we can do everything right. And sometimes it, so we just, we're going to, we're going to go for it. And so it was this interesting moment, um, joy, fear, everything all, all bundled together. Yeah, I can, I'm, I'm sure like, there's just like a plethora of emotions and it's very like, it's not just kind of a rainbow of emotions, I guess you could say. So beyond that, you know, first visit that first day, you've gone through this process a couple of times now as a mom of two, um, tell us a little bit about each of those IVF journeys and kind of like the unexpected pieces that maybe like nobody told me about this because I'm shocked about XYZ. Like there's all these like articles and things online, but until you're in the middle of like an actual fertility treatment, you're like, it's real. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I've been through, I like to say I've really been through the rodeo and I think a lot of other folks feel that way too, but I've really been through the rodeo with my son. Um, we ended up, we ended up doing all of the, uh, the name of them is lost on me now, but the injectable, all the, uh, gonadotropins, we did all the injectables for my son, but we did timed intercourse which uh, to this day, I still cannot believe worked for us because it did not work the second time around. Uh, we tried over and over and over again with the same protocol. And it just, whether it was egg quality, you know, even just two to three years, like, I don't know, maybe he was just, it was like the miracle egg. Um, I don't know. But uh, with my son, we did, um, you know, all the injectables for, I mean, a long time. I, with, I took, um, I think it was like 30 days of injecting mm-hmm. to get eggs that were mature for him. And, um, and that worked and we got pregnant with my son through that protocol. And then for my daughter, we did that same protocol three times over had really sick, what looked to be really successful cycles, um, you know, multiple eggs. And even at one, the, the conversation around cancellation, because we had too many mature follicles, um, for that, that type of timed intercourse cycle and yet nothing worked. And so that's when we moved to IVF with my daughter. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, there, there's just, there's nothing that really can prepare you. And I think I felt similarly about many other things in life from running a business to, um, having like being, being, you know, having children, like they can, people can tell you everything under the sun. And yet when you're going through it, you're just going to uncover things you, you never thought that you would. Uh, but you know, I think one of the, the biggest learnings that I had in going process is community of collective support of not going through it alone. Um, in my case, that meant being open about my journey for each person. That's going to look different about whether they can or want to share about what they're walking through. I think it was also really beautiful for me to see the diversity and how families are made to go through this process and just uncover like each person's road to parenthood looks so different. You know, I was able to make friends with so many different individuals and couples like going through their own fertility journey. And it was just beautiful, like really refreshing to say like, oh, you know, um, everybody's path looks, looks so unique and so different. Everyone's family looks so unique and so different. And yet we're all on this together. We're all fighting for this, this miracle of life together and, um, going through something. And so that community was really important, I think for my own journey. And, um, it is hard. It is, it really is a roller coaster of emotion. Like it, it really sometimes feels like, you know, two steps forward, one step back, um, going through any type of fertility process. And so I'll also say that I think when it comes to that support, having a space where someone can, you know, affirm the hopes that you have and help you to navigate the fears is mm-hmm. also key, whatever that looks like. So for me, that was a combination of my partner and my husband. Uh, that was a combination of like my actual infertility community. I was in support groups on, on the internet, like on Facebook and also having a therapist. I actually got a therapist who specializes in um, both infertility and, you know, different types of um, post or prenatal, postnatal and loss, like any kind of grief in that experience, difficulty in that experience was her specialty. And I cannot tell you having that mental health support of someone, if I would just say to her, you know, am I broken for feeling this way? Am I, you know, this is how I'm experiencing this moment, you know, is, is something wrong with me to just have that affirmation of, you know, no, nothing is, I do this all day long, you know, like this is, this is very hard and and just to feel 
comforted, but then also have someone that can give me tools that can actually give me, um, you know, ways to kind of navigate those, those mind traps we get in when we're going through a difficult situation. Um, to really challenge the limiting beliefs because it, although it doesn't make the physical pain or the waiting time any shorter, like it doesn't make those things go away. I do think it, it equipped me with, um, just a, a better ability to navigate what was hard and to do it in a way that still allowed me to, to preserve my, my heart and soul and going through, especially the IVF process, because it is much more intensive even than, um, you know, the other types of, of fertility treatment that we had done. And so, yeah. Yeah. I think it's incredible, like how, like the whole conversation around community and like talking about infertility and loss and, you know, the struggles to like build families. Like there was a time in history, not that very long ago, that if you had a miscarriage, you just shut up and put up and you were quiet in your corner and like the mental health kind of weight on that, on that, like those parents in those spaces, like wanting to grow their family and not having answers. And I'm so thankful that we live in this like generation where it's possible to go have brain surgery and access IVF and access these like beautiful communities online of people just around the country or around the world who are walking through this. And you can be like scrolling on Instagram or TikTok or Facebook and find other people kind of navigating it may not their story or journey may look very different from yours but it's it has similar threads and how you know people sharing like you know we're doing IVF this one's failed um this one succeeded you know they get a few weeks down the road and have a miscarriage and they just share you know an open book and I don't think everyone is necessarily it's it's not necessary for everyone to share that journey in that like open book process but for the people who do, I think it's just so healing to like Mm -hmm. observe that in others and see others like kind of triumphing through and then seeing them like growing families. But it's also hard. Like it can be really hard to watch, be going through IVF and, or, you know, another fertility treatment and see somebody else succeeding. It's really hard when you're still waiting. Um, So let's talk a little bit about like a little bit deeper into those emotions of, you know, I I love that you had a therapist that you could talk to about this because I think that's essential for anybody going through infertility um, or treatments of any kind, but you know, what did your support system look like and how did you like navigate that emotional kind of baggage piece? Yeah. I mean, it's uh, even in hearing you talk, I, first I'll say I'm, I'm very fortunate. I have a, an amazing support system in my family from, and a lot of, uh, medical professionals in my family, like healthcare professionals, which is always helpful because the things to me that are shocking and uncertain to them are very, you know, almost every yeah. day, maybe, maybe, <laughs> you know, too much. So, but grateful to have grateful to have like my mom and my sister, my husband, even my mother-in-law, my gosh, I mean, you know, just so much, so much love and support, but then also my friends. I mean, I made some really extraordinary friendships, especially going through IVF with my daughter at Shady Grove, which is out here on the East coast. Cause we moved. So after having one baby, we moved to the East coast. And so there's like a, there was a change in care, different practices, all that different doctors, fortunately amazing on, on all fronts. I was really lucky, but you know, one of my, my closest friendships to come out of that was I met, um, through the Facebook group, I met another woman named Kristen who, um, had a really challenging journey herself. And she was a nurse and also a creator like myself, like a small business owner. And so we bonded immediately on that front, but she was the one that taught me how to do my injections. Like 
had me FaceTime with her and she's like, oh, if you need me to come over, I can come over and like help you, you know, put it in your butt. Like he's like high, <laughs> high thigh spot you got to hit. And it's, you know, if you don't hit it in the right spot, it's so painful for the um, gesturone shots. And, you know, just to have somebody that was willing to get on a FaceTime call with me and support me through that was so important. And my friend Ruth. And, and so we, we all met through that experience and um, all of us going through IVF and all of us ending up uh, having success at different stages of that experience, but all of us now having little ones on the other side about a year and a half, two years later. And we just had them over like last weekend with all our little babies. And it was very surreal, but, um, that support is so important. And I love what you said about, you know, the, the complexities of if you want to be open about it with people in your life or you don't, and there's challenges either way. And I think, you know, looking back for my son, when we went through fertility treatment the first time with him, I wasn't ready to be super open about it. You know, when we finally did have success, I shared that that was a part of our journey and, um, you know, was what I would like to call like halfway open about it. Um, you know, more so with the immediate people in my life, but on a more broad scale, still kept it pretty quiet. And then when I started going through it with my daughter, I, prior to even IVF, we were doing the injectable, uh, cycles you know, I think I, I recognized how many people who had shared their journeys really empowered me to keep moving forward. And so after our first, I think it was after our first injectable cycle failed with her, I was like, you know what, I'm going to be open that we're doing it. I'm not going to share once we've had success like last time, I'm going to share now. I'm going to share when we're not having success. I want to talk about this current moment and where we're at because of the impact that other people had had on me and how that really um, encouraged me to keep moving forward and, um, and navigating every aspect of the experience. And so with her, I was more open publicly and there is something super powerful. You know, you talked about how not that long ago, people would never share about the very intimate parts of, of, you know, this process, um, and their unique experience, you know, it was very, uh, it, it, it was very much stick and still in many ways we're fighting against stigmas, but very much stigmatized, very much um, encouraged, you know, not to share, encouraged to dismiss your emotions around it. Like it's not a big deal I and mean, insert whatever has happened, whatever you're navigating. And um, I won't get angry on here, but it makes me angry to think about how many individuals have had to endure a lot of, a lot of that. And so what I discovered is in, in sharing about my journey and, and also sharing the moments when it didn't work, you know, it removes the shame. Like the moment I'm, I started to be more honest about where I was at with it. It was almost as if the experience couldn't hold power over me. It was like, I started to reclaim some of that power by saying like, this is the truth. This is where I'm at. This is what's really happening today. These are the meds that are arriving. This is how much they cost. Like, this is what I'm actually going through. And the minute I just, you know, kind of shined a light on reality, it just, it, it made those worries, those fears, those insecurities around the process, um, so much less powerful. And it even opened doors to conversations with people in my life that I never would have had otherwise. People very close to me who had gone through IVF and never shared that they went through IVF. People who had experienced really traumatic seasons, um, had, 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 you know, lost children and, you know, didn't share about it publicly, but felt safe, you know, coming and, and having that, having that conversation and, you know, allowing me to hold space for them. And again, even like now we're, what a year, two years out from IVF, a year and so out from uh, my my daughter being being born, and I still have friends that will come to me and share really vulnerable parts of their journeys because they know that 
um, there that that I'm that I'm here and that I've maybe been through something that isn't the same. But you're right, has that threat, has that ability to say, hey, I just how did you do this? How did you navigate this? Could I just share what I'm walking through? And know they're not going to get judgment from me. Know that um, they will only get you know a listening ear or anything that they ask for, never anything more. And so um, I think that uh, that that is 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 such a a key part. And so for anyone who, you know, is going through it or, um, isn't sure how to navigate it, there's no right or wrong. There's just right for you, right. Or wrong for you. And that, I think for me, it was like first time around, I wasn't ready to be open. And the second time around, I, I think I, you know, had a different experience going in and I did, I had a, I had a baby in my arms going through it the second time. And that, you know, I think, um, shifted my, my psychology around it a little bit, but also, um, made me feel a sense of responsibility. I think that maybe I didn't feel the first time to share more transparently. And um, I'm grateful that I did because it, it has definitely opened doors to conversations with really extraordinary people that, um, you know, I wouldn't have had that that vulnerability or that intimacy with without it. Yeah. Vulnerability is such a powerful like foundation of like true deep community, right? Like there can be like very surface fun communities built around things like food or, you know, business and things like that. And people can kind of like dive into those as deep or as shallow as they want to, but in spaces where we're, you know, reproduction is such like a deep intimate part of like who we are and kind of this like innate biology inside of us to want to reproduce and, you know, have little ones running around us and, you know, community, I think for me, even as, you know, a doula, as a mom who's like experienced recurrent loss with no explanation and all of those things, and then having a baby, let's talk about how that shifts your community or your sense of community and like what community looks like. I think, um, you know, it just changes our, our vision or our field of view and expands it into different ways. But in other ways, I feel like it also narrows. And so let's talk about that, like narrowing and expansion of community and how it's shifted as like someone who I, I have viewed you as like a, a community champion in so many different spaces for so long. Um, but parenthood is still fairly recent, I think, for both of us. Um, and so like, what does that look like for you now? Oh, I mean, I think the first thing immediately is the discomfort that you experience if you've got, especially if you've gone through a fertility process in having to remove yourself from communities that had meant so much to you. So when you actually move onto the other side of that experience, like you've had success with a treatment round, the most respectful thing that most of us can do in that situation is, you know, take that step back from those groups to ensure that, you know, people's hearts are guarded that are still walking through it. And that is hard. That was so immediately you're almost losing a part of your, especially if this has been a big part of your life for a period of time, it's almost like losing a little part of your identity. Um, you know, you're kind of like stepping back from being a part of an infertility group or community that actively needs to talk about and support one another through the journey when you're on a different stage of it. Um, so that's the first thing, which again, I, I didn't, I, I knew it would happen, but I don't think I realized in the moment how um, emotionally challenging and complicated it can be, especially when you really love some of the folks that are either still going through the journey or had success before you. And, you know, it's, it's that timeline challenge of, of wanting to be really loving and supportive of where people are at. And then as a parent, oh man, I mean, <laughs> community, it is, it is a, a really interesting, uh, a really interesting beast because I will tell you, you know, and you know, I'm, I've built communities, um, 
a lot more than even just in the, I've, I'm a community builder. I love building communities. I love being a part of communities. And uh, parenting is a really strange season where you need community more than ever. I mean, it's like you need community. And yet um, it, it is, it is hard. I feel like, you know, every community and every group has such unique quirks and you're going to have some where it feels like raising kids is a competition. And I have struggled with that. Like milestones are a competition. Um, you know, I, I always, I laugh after I went through the first time I was telling a friend of mine, I'm like, I can't do due date groups because it's sort of like two weeks after all the kids have been born. Everyone's like, well, my kid's walking, you know, my kid just said <laughs> their first word. I'm like, yes. <laughs> drooling on themselves. They're not having full conversations, but it felt, you know, and it could feel like a competition. And then you know, there's, there's so much, um, that goes into parenting culture, both good and bad. And so I think it's hard to find your space is what I'm trying to say. It's hard to find, you know, a community that aligns with your values or that, you know, you can find people that just get where you're coming from or where you feel safe to share, not just the good, like not just the milestones, but also, you know, my, with my son, we, we did, you know, um, speech, early intervention speech. And that's an example where, you know, I, I wanted people that had been through it and they wanted to hear from folks that had gone through that experience of uh, working with a speech pathologist and a speech therapist and had great success on the other side. And I wanted some hope going through that journey. And um, thankfully, I was able to find it in a local group. But you you kind of have to do a little bit of work and research and finding and then finding mom friends. Everyone says finding friends as adults is hard. Yes. And as a parent, finding parent friends. Mm-hmm. Um I think that's like an extra layer of challenge and difficulty. And, uh, you know, cause it's like, not just do we like each other, but do our kids, like, do our kids get along too? Um, and so it, it adds all these extra layers. I I'll just say, I think that, um, it's, you're right. A narrowing and an expanding, it's a change. It's both, you know, the most, one of the most wonderful seasons, especially if you fought for it, you know, and you, all of us fight for it, you know, and it's it, whatever, whatever that feels like for you is just like this, these moments, you get these moments of like, oh, it was so worth it. And I think that all the time, oh, it's so worth it. Like I would do it again. I would do it again just for 30 seconds, you know, like 30 seconds on this front porch. I thought that literally sitting on a front porch, sun is setting, we're hanging out outside. I'm, you know, I'm like sipping an iced tea with my kids. And I will think to myself, like I would go through that 10, I would go through it 10 times over and over and over and over for 30 seconds of hearing them laugh on that front porch. And, you know, I think being able to share that, that, that feeling and that experience with others and also the real, real, you know, the, the high highs and the low lows, it's, it's, it's so important because we're not, we're not meant to do any of this alone. We're not meant to go through, you know, uh, reproductive challenges alone. We're not meant to go through parenthood alone none of it um, at all. And yet we do live in a very isolated, very individualistic culture where, you know, a lot of those community ties are sort of stripped from us where we're trying to do it all and do it all by ourselves or with very limited support, whether that's physical, emotional, or financial. Um, And so I think any opportunity that you get to really bring and build the village, like to, yeah. to really construct that around yourself and around, um, and again, in all seasons, not just in parenthood, but in all seasons, it's not a nice to have, right? We treat it in our current world, especially in the United States as a nice to have, and it's not, it's, it's a fundamental human need. Um, yeah. And so wherever you can build that, build it, you know, wherever yeah. you can create it, create it. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
I love that so much. I think that there's so many different pieces and kind of nuances to community and like what we're creating. And as parents, you know, like shifting the conversation from where we were to where we're going and all of those pieces. Um, I know we're almost, we're pretty much at time. So I want to like be mindful of that with you. Um, would you have any tips um, for people who maybe are walking through a similar journey to becoming parents? Maybe it's, you know, uncomfortable. Maybe there's something about advocating for yourself yeah. with your doctor and, you know, what are those pieces that are intimidating and scary and how can people navigate with, navigate through that? Yeah, look, you need to become your biggest advocate. And I think that applies to all sorts of aspects of life, but especially when it comes to reproductive health care, you know, you you need to become your, your biggest advocate, your best advocate, a fearless and courageous advocate, especially if, you know, this area, like I mentioned, you know, it was new for me and there were terms I didn't know. And there were things I really didn't understand, or maybe I understood at surface level, but when you start going deeper than surface level, because you're going through a treatment process, you know, learn it, take the time. And if you don't know, ask, ask, don't be ashamed to ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask for additional resources. Don't be afraid to bring research to the table with your medical team. Like I, I did, and I'm grateful that I did. And so, um, you know, there, there's always an opportunity, I think, for you to lean in a little bit more and to be confident in doing so to not feel like you can't, um, you know, be, be in charge of your own care in a way and to take charge. And I'd say that extends to, to things like health insurance, you know, and, um, being, being willing to, ask hard questions and make hard decisions in advance of treatment. I'll give an example here. I, so I had employer healthcare and um, learned that um, in my state, if I was to buy care in my state, because my employer is out of state, so it's a different plan. Um, my state is one of very few states in the U.S. I think there are 17 or 18 states in the United States that mandates uh, fertility care, um, reproductive uh, infertility treatment care. Um, as part of health insurance, my state was one. So I actually dropped my employer healthcare and I bought on the state marketplace um, during open enrollment so that I could begin treatment in January of the following year when that coverage took effect. And that saved us tens of thousands of dollars. Like, I don't know that, you know, certain treatment would have been even within reach right away had we not asked certain questions. And that was part of that support system. I started asking people like, how the heck are you affording this? How are you figuring this out? And a lot of saying, well, wait, Maryland has this mandate in my case, you know, where I live. And so I didn't know. And so being that advocate and vocalizing and, you know, it's so important. And I think sometimes it, it will reveal doors and possibilities that you didn't even know existed, you know, especially when it comes to things like healthcare or the cost um, or health insurance, I mean, or the cost of care and grants. The Cade Foundation's an example of an organization I work with a lot here in, in the Baltimore area, but there are also foundations where a lot of us, especially that have made it through treatment and that have the financial ability, give back and donate so that there can be grants for folks that need access to care but can't afford it. Because again, it shouldn't be this inaccessible. And yet it is. And so yeah. all of that to tie it up in a ribbon and say, don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to advocate for yourself. Uh, ask other people, you know, how they're navigating things that seem impossible to you or challenging to you because you might be surprised that there are resources you didn't know that are out there or somebody that can help you in, in one way or another. And so, um, you do, you have to have to be willing to put yourself out there a little bit, but it definitely makes all the difference. 
I love that. I love that. Yes, definitely. And there's, you know, if you don't have any support system or you are struggling to find that, there's also like fertility doulas in a lot of spaces too, that like have kind of some of those insider tips and tricks. And even just like booking a consultation can be a huge game changer for navigating and also just like having someone on your side. So thank you so much, Natalie. Um, Where can people find you online and connect with you um, as we wrap up? Yeah, so I I am on the internet is what I always say. And it's such an awkward <laughs> thing to say, but it's what I always say. So if you just search for at Natalie Frank, I'm on Instagram, um, on TikTok, I'm small biz Natalie. Um, but yeah, on Instagram. I love Natalie it. Frank. Come find yes. me. Come hang out. <laughs> Let me know how I can support you and uh, never hesitate. Like if you jump in the DMs, I'm a real human. So I'm here and it's me. It's just me. So uh, feel free to reach out and let me know how I can support you. Yeah. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for chatting. That's it from this episode of the Better Birth Podcast presented by Angel Health. See you next time.